You're listening to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, your escape to reality. Hello and welcome to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Today is Thursday, June 29th, 2017, and this is your host, Stephen Novella. Joining me this week are Bob Novella. Hey, everybody. Kara Santamaria. Howdy. Jay Novella. Hey, Steve. <laughs> Evan Burns. Well, that was predictable. <laughs> and we have a special guest this week, George Rob. George, welcome to the show, hey, man. George. Hi. <laughs> so we're here at Nexus 2017. Um, we had a little bit of a hiccup even before we, the conference started. Uh, there was a fire, and apparently there was some carbon monoxide, right? Was that the Yeah, fire? so what I heard was there was a fire in the basement, and the fumes got up into the air conditioning vents, and they couldn't get the contractor out to do a thorough cleaning to meet the fire regulations to get, to, you know, yeah. to get rid of the carcinogens. So the, yeah, the, so the fire department said, nope, you can't use these rooms. Yep. So we, three days before the conference, we find out our rooms are shut down. Yeah, but we, we, we took care of it. Mike, basically Mike Feldman, you know, he was the man on the spot, yeah. and he... Found new rooms for everybody, for everything. He called me up and he's like, Jay, yeah. He goes, oh boy. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday, Mike. What? What's wrong? And it, it couldn't have been worse. We, yeah. He goes, we don't have a venue. That's all. We, we don't have a venue. Right. <laughs> so then Jay calls me and he goes, Steve, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I know something you don't know. <laughs> something you don't want to know. And then but Jay called me. No. Yeah. <laughs> it all worked out. So we're going to, uh, we're just going to dive into some news items. Uh, Evan, I actually want to start with yours. Oh, okay. You have a, an update on the whole glyphosate, Monsanto is evil, but maybe not story. What's going on? <laughs> Monsanto is evil, right. That's a meme now, isn't it, or yeah. something? Yeah. Glyphosate. It is an herbicide, the active ingredient in Monsanto Company's popular Roundup weed killer. We all know about that. It has been added to California's list of chemicals known to cause cancer, and it goes into effect July 7th, Mm -hmm. just in a few days. This is despite the recent findings by organizations such as the European Chemical Agency, which showed that there is no link between glyphosate and cancer. And in addition, according to a report recently published uh, from a joint United Nations and WHO meeting on herbicide residues, that report states that Glyphosate does not cause cancer. Right. So what's up, California? I think what's happening here is that California might be relying perhaps too much on another arm of the World Health Organization called the Agency for Research on Cancer, International Agency for Research on Cancer. Right. And they said, this was back in 2015, and I know we covered it at the time, that it is probably carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. They said the same thing about bacon, right? Yeah, and caffeine. Yeah, and um, they have a very low threshold. They have a very low threshold. They tend to play it extremely cautious, extremely conservative. As does California. Yeah, like pretty much every building you walk into where I live, there's a sign that says this building is causing cancer. Yeah, something in like there are substances known by the state of California. It always says by the state of California to be uh, carcinogenic. Pretty much anywhere you go, it says that in California, like daycares, you know. Mm-hmm. Across the border into California, cancer. You yeah, know, cancer. Cancerous here. area. Yeah. What it means is that they're not going to ban the substance, but it's going to require within 12 months that uh, the Roundup 
bottles all have this warning label yeah. mm -hmm. placed on them. That says what? That there's an ingredient in here that doesn't cause cancer? Right, yeah, yeah right? exactly. Will that, will that be on every bottle or just bottles meant for import to California? Well, that's the problem, is that they don't have a state-by-state -state labeling gotcha. system for, yeah. the, for their product. So they don't have a mechanism in place right now. Um, it has gone uh, through the first set of court battles, and mm. Monsanto has come up on the, uh, on the downside of those, those results. It is going to appeals. Now, so we're going to see what eventually happens mm. if they are successful at the appellate level mm. of all of this. Interesting about the IARC, I was doing a little research on them. I got this from Wired magazine. They did a nice article on this. They are not supposed to make recommendations to the public. They assess the hazard, which mm. is essentially scientific jargon, meaning something very different than risk. Yeah. Mm. And uh, here's how they put it. If you have uh, sharks, they like to use sharks as an example. If you have people gawking at sharks swimming around a tank in an aquarium, the sharks are a hazard. They pose little risk. If you have a surfer on the beach with a shark, that is both a hazard and a risk. Mm -hmm. right? okay. So that's how they summed it up as far as how you should be uh, parsing right. this in as far as the uh, terminology goes. So sharks cause cancer? Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> I thought that they don't get cancer. Yeah, shark cartilage. So, but I don't even understand why a shark in the zoo would be a hazard. Because it could potentially kill you, but it's not a risk because you're not in the tank with the shark. Right. Right? That's the idea. So, glyphosate in doses that you'll never get exposed to could cause <clears throat> cancer, maybe, but it, not, you're not going to get exposed, so it's not a, really a right. risk. Okay, but so it's a dose that, issue. But the hazard right. is also not true. Yeah. So that's the other part part of it. So the shark really is nothing. It's to like worry saying about a dolphin's a hazard. Well, it's not really even because you thought it was a shark. But now there's not. a dolphin and a shark. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what happened with the IARC. There was, um, in fact, the person, the scientist who was in charge of the review for the IARC of glyphosate was, they had completed the largest you know epidemiological study to date, and they found that there was absolutely no correlation between glyphosate and cancer in people. And, but, but the data was, although it was complete, it had not been peer reviewed and published. Yep. And the IARC said, well, we only use peer reviewed data. So they didn't include that data, even though the guy making that decision was, did the study which found the data that he knew showed that glyphosate didn't cause cancer. Right. right. And it's like, well, Okay, it's not peer-reviewed, but like, aren't you guys scientists who are peer-reviewing these studies? I mean, has it been peer-reviewed and published since then? Yes. Yeah. So, but they didn't c consider essentially definitive negative evidence, and and the the most, and they also said, and we're not going to bother to update our recommendations, even though now that you know we didn't include it, we know about it, we're not going to include, we're not going to update our recommendations That's or right. whatever our designations, not really recommendations, our designations. Is there another, is it like five or ten years they're going to do Probably, it again? Probably, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like didn't want to deviate from the protocol. Is glyphosate, so we always say glyphosate, which is Roundup, yeah. right? Is mm -hmm. is there, I'm assuming there's a patent on that or is there it's like off-brand? The patent oh. is off-patent. So there is off-brand glyphosate yeah. now. So why are we always most, talking about Monsanto Yeah, then? right. Most most glyphosate is sold by by manufacturers, not Monsanto. Yeah, I think, in fact, China is the number one producer okay. of glyphosate in the world. Um, but not that that matters. But No, it's just like we always, everybody's yes, always Monsanto yeah, yeah, and yeah. Roundup. Well, that's because Monsanto is the, the, the villain, right? Yeah, They're the villain right. du jour. So... The thing is, I mean, the data that suggested that it may cause cancer was always really thin anyway. It was really based upon very, very weak data and only in farm workers and for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But that is the data that was then 
So that was really like a possibility, it's preliminary data. Mm -hmm. And then there was the follow-up data that said, nope, it's actually not a correlation there. And so it's done. Yeah. It really, the thing that, that's a killer is that glyphosate is probably one of the safest um, agrochemicals and, and certainly herbicides that there are. But they've decided to make it into like a scary toxin a so they right. could demonize Monsanto. Yeah. But in fact, whatever would replace it is much more toxic than glyphosate is. There's nothing ironic about it. They don't care about the facts. <laughs> It's like, this is here, we're going to scare people about this. In fact, they, they, they take like one of the safest things possible. So it's, it really is crazy. And the IARC, I, I don't know that, you know, that they were necessarily irresponsible in the, in it getting out. I just think it's the anti-GMO people got a hold of that and then, you know, disseminated it. Right. But then, but didn't put it in context. And they apparently have some very powerful lobbyists in the state of yeah. California because yeah. they were able to get this through and make it a law. Yeah, and the California just has a really, really, really low bar, you know. And in some ways, I think that that has been beneficial historically. Like, I think in a lot of ways, California was the first to put emission really, yeah, really intense emission standards out yeah. and things like that. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm less concerned about about the labeling than I am about the misperception there. I just think it's it comes down to an educational problem. Like, do individuals people use weed killer all the time on their own property? Do they mm -hmm. know that they're using glyphosate? Mm -hmm. Like, do they realize that when they're, like, spraying their yard with weed Probably killer? not. <laughs> Probably not. I, I don't know where the the intense fear comes from. It's, it's market. It's lobbying. Yeah, it's all marketing. It's, it's, all marketing. it's, all, yeah. it's all propaganda. It's all anti-GMO propaganda. And do you think There's that no this question. labeling initiative is propaganda? Yes, you absolutely. Do. It's all anti-GMO propaganda. There's what is no the, question What does the anti-GMO get out of this particular product? Like, what's the counter-product? They connect glyphosate <clears throat> to GMOs. That's why. To yeah. then, to the company that runs and, it. Yeah, right. Both Monsanto of them to Monsanto. Right. Monsanto, Monsanto has that's the and products yeah, that's that are very resistant. That are glyphosate resistant. And this so that is you can use glyphosate. even more severe label because historically the labeling initiatives that have passed in certain states about food that just say this food contains GMO products, we know it's not a warning label, but it, it's misconstrued as yeah. a warning yeah, label all the time. But this actually is a warning yeah, label. Cancer exactly. Yeah. That's a scare tactic. And yeah. As a result, in reaction to the IARC designation, there is now a class action lawsuit against Monsanto for causing cancer from glyphosate exposure. Oh my god! Yeah. It's like the so, Johnson and Johnson yeah. thing. Yeah. So, but it, it's it's baseless. But yeah. there it is, and now that becomes a a, a, a propaganda point. I actually had a listener emailed us. And it's like, oh, you better rethink your defense of Monsanto. It's like, we don't defend Monsanto. We're just telling you what the science says. Yeah. And he linked to an article. It's like, okay, I'll click through. Went to the article, and it was about this class action lawsuit, but it, it, it was like really anti-Monsanto sort of piece. And I'm like, who is, this is like not, this is clearly not like objective journalism. And so I researched the outlet, and it was literally, the outlet was uh, Putin's propaganda arm like it was basically <laughs> it's moscow propaganda mm -hmm. and i and i sort of pointed this out to the listener like you know first of all i give him some background on the, the issue and the news item you link to is actually moscow it's like putin propaganda and he, and he his response was i don't care what they uh, you know i agree with what they say basically yeah, there you go yeah. so, so yeah because they have it's all anti-American propaganda, right. which includes anti-corporate propaganda. And if I you're mean, into the anti-corporate propaganda, like, that's good. It's, Russia doesn't it resonate like to my idea. Killer. I mean, think about how profoundly strange that is. Russia is campaigning against Monsanto's weed killer for crying out loud. They probably yeah. use it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean they're, they're they're drawing a line between that and some political influence somehow. But it's, it's just, just anti-capitalism. That's all it is. Yeah, that's but all Monsanto it is. is is multinational. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're in a lot of countries. Yeah. Like they. 
this is utilized. And again, it has nothing to do with GMOs. So even in countries where GMOs are banned or in places where they only do certain types of farming, they can still use herbicides. Yeah. So they're probably using glyphosate. You know, as a side note, I have Roundup in, in my garage mm -hmm. and I, I use it. It works great, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, every time I use it, I get scared. I literally do. I'm just afraid to spray it on my foot. And I'm like, I know this is ridiculous, but I just can't help it because it sinks in. Like, yeah. I just have this innate fear of Roundup. But, man, it works really good. Yeah, it sure mm -hmm. does. Like, I won't get rid of it, but I have this stupid, I have to deal with that stupid, irrational fear when I'm administering it, you know? And that's the marketing. Yeah. It's gotten to you. It's good yeah. It works. Well, cancer is scary. I mean, it, it really cancer resonates. Right. You know, we know how dangerous yeah. it is. All right, Jay, why don't you ta tell us how strong chimpanzees are? Yeah, this is, this is a fun one. Uh, Kara found this and thought it, it was a good match for me today. <laughs> <laughs> it is a question that I want to know the answer to. I mean, who, who would essentially win in a fight between a chimp and a human? And I'm just curious, who, <laughs> in the audience, by a show of hands, um, raise clap. your hand do if you clap think so a, a, a clap, do yes. one clap. Do the one single clap. clap, like on three, if you yeah, think we'll a human would win in a fight between a chimp. One, two, three. Right, two people. <laughs> Our species appreciates yeah. that very much. Yes. Well, Jay, what kind oh, of fight are we talking about? I don't really know because this was what's, what's is funny. It, is it a cage match? Yeah, that, that, that is the news item's title. Is it kickboxing? No, but I think it, it, it's, it's, it's wrestling. It's, it's wrestling. I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't involve tools. It, it really boils down to this. It boils oh, down right. to a physical feat of strength. So you could equate it to like punching and pulling and pushing wrestling. and yeah a lot of a wrestling type maneuvers because essentially that's what they were able to test here so let me just give you the, the quickie we do have you know the two people out of everyone here would think that a human could be a, a chimpanzee most of us feel like they couldn't why why do we think that well because we just for some reason it's in the collective consciousness it's it's just out there they just look strong. Um, There's the stories of like faces being eaten and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Hands like, being ripped hands off. Being ripped off. Like, it's like, the it's violence. Testicles right. being yeah. eaten by like Ooh, pet monkeys and stuff. Like, yeah, not good. Yeah, not good. Not, not a good Because yeah, I've always heard, I've always heard things like, well, yeah, chimps and, and gorillas are like three to five times stronger than a human. Yeah. And people say things like they would be playing with like a, a little bit, a baby chimp, and like, damn, you know, the, the chimp would squeeze a finger. Damn, that's really strong. Well, the, and so that is kind of like the in the culture, like they are just. A they are a lot stronger. Three to five. Is yeah, the, the five number times hear. number comes from a 1920s uh, biologist oh, yeah. study. Right. So uh, his name was John Bauman, and he studied chimps in the zoo. And, he, and you know, now that they they've have figured out that his studies were designed poorly, mm -hmm. so they're uh, like, okay, so the data isn't really reliable at this point. But he concluded that chimps were five times stronger than like what he five. described as a very powerful football player of the day. Oh, so that so we've just been thinking that this whole time because of this. Study. That's when it slipped yeah. in. Yeah. It's it's the nineteen twenties. Mm -hmm. But their so. banana technology is so far advanced. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do open it from the correct side. Yeah. Right. we do from, not. From I try and I can't. I just mush it. It just turns into mush on me. I, I don't have this. There's like a side. finger thing. So, to continue down, so like let's talk about what they were talking. Let's go into the activities that they were talking about. So pushing, pulling, lifting, and jumping. And humans are 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 actually weaker or not as able to do these, these feats pound for pound. Okay. So an adult chimp is uh, 100 pounds or 45 kilograms, where a, an adult human is what? Like, you know, 150 to 175 pounds. On an adult human male. Human male. Yeah, if you'd average it out. Is this male to male? Is that what I they think did it, I think they were doing male to male. And here's, now, so here are some answers. So they did a recent study and they found out that humans actually evolved about 7 million years ago. We started to evolve slow twitch muscles. 
The slow twitch muscles are designed for endurance over, say, a power or you know fast movement or a powerful movement. And the uh, reason, Jay, yeah. I'm going to say, did the slow twitch fibers evolve then, or did was there a uh, a pressure to develop more slow twitch? I I, I think from twitch. everything I read, it was a pressure to evolve more sw- yeah, it, slow it, twitch. Yeah, it, it existed more. already. It was just yeah, the ratio okay. that changed. That yeah, the ratio yeah. started to, to right. significantly for humans go towards slow twitch. Now, what's the difference between slow twitch and fast? Twitch? I'm going to get there. Okay. Slow twitch muscles are are like I was saying, they're good for endurance, and they they think that the reason why we evolved to have more slow twitch fibers in our muscle tissue is so is so we could travel much farther to get food, right? Yeah. So the way we got food wasn't fighting animals and stuff. It was going off and, and running far away and, and essentially increasing the perimeter of our, our food collection area. Which is also why you know, bipedalism is a huge advantage for that as well. Because yeah. bipedalism is very, may not be very fast, but it's very efficient over to endurance wise over long right it's a, it burns less calories as well so humans can run marathons we we can run these long endurance feats where chimps wouldn't be able to make those types of activities they couldn't sustain it right even, but even animals like horses eventually would lose to a human right because they just don't have the endurance that, that I've read that somewhere a much. conditioned human yeah. so scientists did have suspicions for a long time though that this data wasn't good so recently a research team uh, went in and, and did the best kind of test that they can come up with this was Matthew O'Neill as an assistant professor at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Phoenix and he said, one of the advantages of our approach is that we avoid all the complexities involved in trying to elicit maximal performance from a chimpanzee of unknown motivation or interest and instead get right to the measurement of the muscle tissue. And he's referencing the fact that they, they essentially use a microscope to compare the tissue side by side. And it's, it's a cool point when you think, how do we measure the maximal effort that a chimpanzee can put in when you can't say, hey, we're doing a test. Would you mind lifting as much weight over your head as you can? You can't do that. <laughs> and, you know, so what do they, what do they do? They have to poke them with a stick and piss the chimpanzee to do these weird, you know, gestures and stuff. They just said, look, let's look at this, you know, on the, the muscle tissue level. Go down and look at the, look at the muscle cells and see what we find. There, there were different, other differences that I, I don't want to get into because there's a lot of, like, protein differences and things like that. But, you know, the, the summary is the muscle fibers were very, very similar. We just, as humans, have more of the slow titch, twitch versus the fast titch, twitch. <laughs> Did it two times in a row. So uh, let's put it to the table. <laughs> 1.3 times stronger. That's where we're at now. Chimpanzees are 1.35 times stronger. Who would win in the fight? Now, wait. No. With no I'm tools? Not, no. I'm not sure about that. No, humans I'll, over time. I'll, I'll tell you why. Well, there's a... Yeah, but you've got to not die tactical. with this that amount of time. Well, you're saying ta- humans have a tactical advantage of some sort? I, I'm I just don't think you will if, survive the first no. 10 minutes. I would think that we have an incredible advantage with our minds, like with our ability to navigate through. And when they're eating your face off... I also think you're... I think you're underestimating how smart chimpanzees are also. They're smart. They're smart. But, I mean, I would like to think if a person can dodge, you know, like... A velociraptor attack. They can dodge a chimpanzee but attack. They, it was in the movie. I saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we actually look at historical documentation? How often has a, f- a human being found themselves in a chimpanzee enclosure and survived? Yeah, you're right. Yes, you're right. I guess that's <laughs> awesome. Sorry, there must be some data on that. Somewhere. I would think that it would be extraordinarily dangerous, but I just don't know. I, I really, I, I'm not sold yet. I have to see the cage match. <laughs> but keep in, keep in mind though that there there is a lot of variation within people. So you could see you could have marathon runners who have a preponderance more slow twitch, sprinters who have m- yeah. much more fast twitch. So there's there is still a lot of variation. But in general, but the question was 
who would win in a fight, not who would win a race. I don't, I don't even like that question. I don't even like that question. I know. It's, 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 it is, they're stronger. They're 1.3 times stronger. That's it. Yeah. I mean, with skill, technique, martial arts, a human will, you know, could kick their butt. Like, could, what, yeah, Bruce Lee would probably kick a monkey's yes, ass, right? Eight. Yeah, but not Bruce But not Bruce When you look at, like, uh, UFC fighters, yeah. They're not big guys. They're cut. They're really trim, and but they're not like bodybuilder, yes. cliched, wide-chested, huge muscles kind of guys. Yeah. Those guys are probably stronger than the UFC guys, but the UFC guys have stamina yeah. and, and and strength. So yeah, I think and technique. Yeah. And technique. So I think like a human monkey fight, the monkey okay. would have the strength. Chimp. chimp. Sorry, chimp would would have the strength coming in. But if a human could make it through that initial barrage and endure. But also, like, we have rules of engagement that chimps don't have. Mm-hmm. So they're going to play super dirty. They're yeah, you're right. Very dirty. Yeah, they'll right. fling all they're sorts of things. They're going to fling poop in your face. Yeah. Yeah. That's very chimpish to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that the <laughs> Queensbury rules don't apply to a chimp. I don't yeah, know. I think it's very chimpish. But you can go Mike Tyson on his ass, though, Chimp. Bite his ear off. Bite his ear off. We still don't know. Maybe it might end up on YouTube somewhere. We'll see. By the way, do you know what, what determines whether a muscle fiber is type 1 or type 2, fast twitch or slow twitch? I thought it was, um, the, it, there's a protein change. Well, it's different, but yeah, yeah but what, what determines... Oh, what thing makes, hey, yeah. we're going to make slow twitch. Mitochondria, twitch. mitochondria. You're saying how do we identify the difference or what in development turns they, they stain differently. That's <laughs> why you tell the difference. It's what determines... What is it? If that fiber is type 1 or type 2, what determines it? What? It's the nerve that innervates it. That's it. And if you change the nerve that innervates it, it switches from really? one to the oh, other. Yeah. How can you change the nerve? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. So <laughs> let's say you have nerve damage, yep. right? And so normally you have like a mosaic of type 1 and type 2 fibers. And then, but if you have nerve damage and then the, the nerves that are surviving will cross sprout and pick up the muscle fibers in them and left behind, then you get fiber type grouping. Because now you have a, ner- a nerve fiber is picking up the surrounding denervated oh, muscle okay. fibers. Then you get these big, cl- you know, clusters of type one and type two. So they just flip to whatever nerve innervates them. So, so you're, the you're hormones like, from the nerve. Your wrist could be like have super endurance. Well, yeah, it could. <laughs> yeah, it could, Jay. Imagine. Mostly men laughed like, at that joke. Yeah. Just keep, keep practicing, Jay. Keep practicing. Well, Steve was showing this. So no, but, but wait, wait, I'm not done. Is okay. that what happens, though, for real? Like, you, you could all of a sudden be really strong in your arm because some weird thing happened? Yeah, probably, you're probably not going to end up stronger after you recover from nerve damage. No. Okay. <laughs> but there could be a cool superhero it. origin, though, in the making, right? <laughs> some electrical thing happens. Yeah. So is there Twitch. a default? Your name is Twitch. Yeah. Is there a default type? Like if you no. denervate uh, and then you have muscle wasting after that, does it switch back to a different type? Or no, no. Well, no, if you denervate, it just fades away and dies. Yeah, it dies. Yeah. It takes a while. It takes. A, but if you, you know, when you reinnervate it, it just becomes whatever. I mean, it would make sense, right? Fast twitch versus slow. Well, the twitch. nerves keep it alive. So the nerve keeps well. it alive. The nerve the gets nerve it determines whether it, it, and it, it tells it its input and how often it should be used. But so I think then over, it's going over to time that, that that muscle would somehow develop. I don't know. Somehow develop a specific. Specificity that well, would it be probably does. Over time, it probably the, the myoglobin you know yeah. changes. The yeah. mitochondria might change, but right. it's just saying it's not permanent. Wow. It's not permanent. Yeah. So that's why if you damage your spine and no more nerve activity is yeah. happening, your muscles just slowly 
atrophy and go away. Well, it, well, okay, so it, you, you were ambiguous in saying that because the spine has both upper and lower motor neuron in it. So the difference is, if, uh, if like I say, if I damage your brain and your left arm is paralyzed, but the nerves are there, it'll get it'll get disuse atrophy, but it won't get denervation atrophy. So it'll get a little bit of atrophy. But if I cut the nerve in your arm, it can't work. Now it has no nerve supply. It'll waste away to nothing. Right. And even if you electrically stimulate the muscle, doesn't it's not the electrical stimulate. They thought that for years, and it was really a hard right. idea for people to get rid of because it's just something so sexy about the notion that you could you know shock the muscle and it will work. But it, it just does nothing for it. It's the hormones from the nerve okay. that it's actively secreting into the muscle. And, and without that, electrical stimulation doesn't What about anything. artificial hormones? Yeah, we've tried that, too. And it, it, it works. It does something, but it's just yeah. not the same. So we need a good artificial nerve, basically. Yeah. We've got to be yeah, able to yeah. come up with one that Cyber has a chemical nerves. and yeah. an electrical Like Like in ALS, for example, we, gave, we did exactly that. We gave the artificial hormone. Just to, and it yeah. bulks them up a little bit, but it doesn't keep them from dying. Right. Yeah. Now, what if you take enough. it when you're normal? Would you bulk up even more? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> then you could fight the chimp. So Twitch, the superhero, Twitch had the, the electrical accident, and he's bulking up on this hormone. He must yeah, have he just, so he has like yeah. a 10% bat, yes. improvement. He's he's bat. Bat. <laughs> hey, that can help. He's a minimal superhero. You know, he's an ex- ex-athlete. He's a former Olympian yep. who fell into a vat of... Of nerve endings. <laughs> That's what it said on the label. Nerve endings. Not, not be nerve beginnings. Nerve Look at me, I'm Stan Lee. <laughs> All right, George, while we're on this theme yeah. of athletic performance, oh tell us about the marathon. It's like everything. Ooh. Everything we're just talking about is sort of in this story. So May 26th this past year was the 63rd anniversary of, anybody know? Make breaking, no. I, yeah. I won't say anything. You probably had it. It was the, the four-minute mile. Yeah. Roger Bams. Very good. Yeah. Yes. After the question is answered, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Half a point. Half a point. Um, yes, it was, the, it was the 63rd anniversary of the first time that the four-minute mile was broken for years, for decades. It was thought that no one would ever run faster than a four-minute mile. It just seemed this impossibility. And then it was done, and now high schoolers are breaking four-minute miles because that's the way sports work. Seriously, high schoolers are doing that? I think so, yeah. I think so. It's, it's incredible. Like you look, at, you look at the times of... Swimmers from the Olympics in the in the 30s. It's yeah. like you you don't oh. even get to states anymore with those times in terms of oh. high schools and college. When I run an eight minute mile, I feel like I'm dead. Like mm-hmm. I oh, just these, died. These people it's are. It's horrible. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So to celebrate that, the sneaker company Nike put together sort of a program where they wanted to beat two hour marathon. So the world record for a marathon is two hours and two minutes. It's two. Is it two hours two minutes and 57 seconds? And so, what is oh, that? 26. 26 point two miles. What? 26.2 miles. And Steve told me a really interesting thing. Do you want to say the thing you told me? Well, just a, a trivia question. Yeah. What, why is, what is that distance? Why is it 26.2? That was the distance that the, the person ran that ran from Greece. something to Marathon, right? Marathon to Athens. Marathon right. to Athens. Yeah. That was it. And then, yeah. What did he say when he got there? I, uh, my sneakers, they suck. I don't know what. Close. He died. Didn't he die? He well, that, I think that's, that's a myth. <laughs> that he okay. died. He dropped dead. Well, he eventually and, died. But he, he allegedly also said Nike, which means victory, which is what he was reporting How on. The f- did he know? <laughs> <laughs> what the shoe was named that. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, cool though. So like, yeah. So the guy says Nike and drops dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe not. And yeah. that, that took hours and hours and hours. So, so there's been, much like the four minute mile, there was this kind of idea that like there's, it's never, we're never going to break a two hour, 26.2, uh, uh, mile race. Now, to do that, you would have to run 13.1 miles an hour for two hours. 
So think about that. Like, you know, when you go to the gym and you run the treadmill and you're like at five miles, six, seven, <laughs> maybe eight miles. Like, yeah. if you get up to eight miles For an hour, minutes. you are cooking. Yeah. These guys run would have to run at 13 miles plus an hour for two hours straight. So you need a lot of that fast twitch. That's Well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Or find a 26-mile so, downhill stretch <laughs> and just run down that hill. That raises, yeah, that raises all these issues. So Nike said, like, let's, okay, how can we do this? Let's think about the science of it, and let's see if we can make conditions that would be perfect. So, yes, we're going to fabricate this on a certain level, but we're not going to fabricate it to the point where it's, Super cheating. We'll try to recreate the situation, the the conditions that you would have in a race, and we'll sort of try to, but modify as best as we can. So, what does that mean? Well, we have a pace car. We'll try to make different shoes, of course, because it's Nike. You know, some said that this was basically just a big sneaker commercial, which it was, but they legitimately were trying to sort of create these shoes. So they they developed these these new shoes that. Uh, they've they've used carbon fiber plates in shoes, so you have your foam and you have your Was carbon it NASA fiber. NASA carbon fiber. NASA carbon fiber, exactly. Yes, just like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just like goop. Yeah. Um, they somehow designed. What was the thing? Yeah, it says here for every for every hundred grams in a shoe, a an Olympic, a, a, a elite marathon runner loses one percent of their sort of speed and time for every hundred grams in a shoe. So if you can make the shoes like incredibly light. One percent over a two-hour race makes a huge difference. When you're talking about you know minutes of time or seconds what of time. What if they just don't wear shoes? Well, that's the thing. The it, the advantage is that you do get this sort of spring thing, and mm-hmm. it does preserve so the ankles. They got to find that balance. So they first designed these shoes that had no heels on them, because a lot of these elite runners run on the on the balls of their feet. They run at the front of the balls of their feet. Uh, but it freaked the runners out because they had these shoes that looked like some Lady Gaga thing or something. It was just like, it just, they like, we can't, that's just freaking us out. We can't yeah. do that. So they designed these shoes and they put the, they put the carbon fiber in between the foam and it leaned forward a little bit. So in essence, it sort of made it like you were running downhill, you know, uh-huh. just, and again, it's like a 1% difference or a half a percent difference, but over time. So they got this guy. His name is, uh, Eluid Kipchoge. He's a Kenyan. And they they sort of, of picked course. him. Of course, they don't be racist. They picked him. <laughs> they picked him and two other runners and decided to sort of train him because he sort of had the conditions that were right. They wanted to figure. They called. They were going to call the thing Project Able. They thought, all right, we're going to call this Project Able. It's going to be like this a sub two hour marathon thing. And then someone said Project Able was what uh when they first launched monkeys into space <laughs> was called Project Able. And someone said, you know a bunch of white scientists with Kenyans yeah. Yeah, not a good idea. Call. <laughs> So to their credit they said Burp. So they called it Breaking Two. And that was that was the project. So Nike's a Breaking name, Two. That's anyway. a much cooler yeah. name. Yeah. Much cooler name. So they had to find a track and they said, okay, what do we do? Do we do a straight single shot with no turns? Because turns eat up a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And they realized, well, we can't do that because then to to provide water, to provide the carbs and all that stuff, and the basic coaching and the and the sort of support, you would have to have guys in trucks and chasing them, so it's better to have a curve. That's so a that bad, they can, that's dumb. They, why couldn't they do that? Well, because it's just, uh, I don't they know. They need a truck, and that's like too no, much for them to overcome. In terms of because <laughs> the influence, get like getting close to someone with a truck while they're running, you don't want to be drafting, because then it's a drafting oh. issue that, that enters, enters into it. But couldn't it. they just have people post it up? Maybe. 
Nike didn't think write them a letter. They clearly should have hired you. Again, it's 26 miles, so yeah. They would need totally. a straight shot of 26 that's miles the thing. of track. Where that's that's so, yeah, where difficult. Yeah. yeah, so they found they found a place in Monza, Italy, which is the Autodromo Nazionale Monza, which is a racetrack, which it's was beautiful. just perfect. Mm-hmm. It was just perfect. It was a two. It was it was a very sort of long stretch. Had nice two turns to it, and they could they could maintain stuff. They could do things. They decided we're going to have a an electric Tesla, well Tesla. Um, drive in front of the runners, but far enough away so that they're not drafting off of it. It was going to project into the street this laser grid that basically would say, like, if you're in this area, you're on pace. Fascinating. There was also a clock. Yeah, yeah there was a clock that. on top of the car also that was going to have a countdown thing because they were shooting for 159.59. That's what they wanted, 159.59. So they also provided... Um, other runners. There were 30 other runners that would act as pacers and guys to provide uh, wind resistance for drafting. Because that's something that happens in races. When you have these races, guys run in front. And again, it's not so much that the runner runs faster, but they conserve energy. They, they run at the same pace, but it's less effort. So that when you get to the end of the race, you have more reserves and you can finish this thing. Oh, so the people that are out front are probably not going to be the. Oh yeah, no, they're they're sacrificed. They like they know like your job yeah. is to just get in front of the guys and you and you you yeah. act as a windbreak in essence. Mm-hmm. So they get behind you. It's the same same thing happens in in cycle races. The same deal. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like guys are on the team, they know we're not going to be we're not going to win, but we are part of the team that provides the, the break and air resistance. It's really cool. I'm so excited to hear what happens. I know. <laughs> I know. So they started this race at five in the morning. George, I have a quick question. Yeah, yeah. Did they? I, I would suspect that they would have brought the runners to a higher elevation for a few weeks or a month. So, so they. Well, that was part of the issue of like how much more. how much do we now influence the 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 how much do we affect this because we could do a track that's totally downhill and we could do it yeah. we could blow fans on the guys that are running to cool them down or even behind them to provide them with some like a breeze quote unquote yeah. we're like oh let's figure out what would be a legitimate breeze that might happen at a race and we'll do that yeah. the guys tr- the, the the people that were creating this that Nike sort of wanted to make it as they cheat as much as they possibly could while still somewhat maintaining the realistic yeah, realistic, yeah, they're simulating Status a real of it, race. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're not saying this is a real race. They're not saying whatever. But, so, yeah, this idea of the, the blood doping. And I think, I think being Kenyan, he already, uh, runs at elevations and does stuff. So, okay, maybe there, there might have been a, there might have been a yeah. concern about that. So, so they went, they started at four in the morning and everything was going great. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. Eliud is, was kicking butt and he went for an hour. And at an hour, he was completely on pace. And in an hour and a half, he was completely on pace. Yes. And he got to about four and a half miles from the end. Oh, and he was, he was doing okay, but they, so they, they noticed that his running style changed a little bit. He had this thing that when he was really cooking and he was really feeling good, his thumbs would rub as if he had lapels. His thumbs would kind of rub on his, on his shirt and his hands were starting to kind of get away from his chest. And they thought, oh, he's starting to break down and he started, and his pace started going. The car started getting a little bit further in front Uh-oh. of him. He ran, he ran as hard as he could oh. and he finished at two hours and 25 seconds. Oh, <laughs> they're on the right track though. I mean, so they're definitely on the right track. They're saying the problem is, is exactly that slow twitch thing. Mm-hmm. There is only so much glycogen reserve that you yeah. can sort of have. So the muscles res- reserve this sort of glycogen and you're trying to 
trying to not get to that lactic acid burn. You know, yeah, when you do sure. repeated exercises, you get that, that burning sensation. And that's, that's wow. death for a, for a distance athlete of any kind. So you want to prevent that as best as you can. So they, they do all kinds of carbo loading. They do all kinds of stuff. They are already, you know, being sort of genetically perfect for this type of yeah. race. He already has the slow twitch stuff, yeah. but they're, they're worried that it's Still just, human. there yeah. might be this point yeah, where. Yeah, but 25 seconds. 26 seconds. There's someone out there that can do it. 26 seconds. He could probably do it. I mean, this is the first time you ever yeah, tried. Yeah, I'm sure that, that they could. Right. That was so but close, it's ridiculous. It's, he must yeah. have been like, so pissed. Yeah. Oh he God. apparently well, was out because, I mean, now here's the thing. He beat the world record by a minute and, and, and right. yeah. 40 yeah. seconds. Yeah, so he still yeah. beat the record. Which is kind of incredible. But does it count? Well, because he's not probably actually not. It doesn't count as a race. No, but he did train his ass off, so he probably will break the record in a normal race. So somebody who's that fit. Yeah. Who is doing a race like this, like trains and trains and trains and then does it, like, is that bad for you? Like, does he have a lot of recovery after? Did they, does oh, it make yeah. him sick? Does I it make it you? Sick. They, it's, it's actually does it cause like pretty severe injury to no, your they're, knees? No, they're or? amazed at how resilient these guys are, especially yeah. these, these long distance guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that do 100 mile races. There are people that do multiple marathons on multiple right. days. Yeah, right. And the, the elite ones, they're, they're, there's something about the physiology of theirs that it's just, it's incredible. I know. Like, that's just I know. like a trade off. Yeah. Oh, so, there was one thing I forgot to mention that the, they, they said the ideal conditions for running a race where it's not too hot, not too cold because you want it to be cool enough so that your body's sort of efficient but not so cold that you're trying to heat yourself is like 50 51 52 degrees and apparently in italy right there it was like 54 so they were saying like oh so maybe like if we got one or two degrees cooler we could that's the thing but again like at that at that point at that level it's every little bit that you can do 26 freaking seconds seconds, the people that paid for this thing oh <laughs> but again, it's, it, it was this idea of this is research. Like, yeah. you know, what what are we doing? And now there's, I think, two other shoe companies are doing a very similar thing. And it might happen. Maybe they'll do the straight shot yeah. and no yeah. turns. I'm surprised Red Bull hasn't thing. done this. Mm. They have like a an elite athlete lab, yeah. basically in California, where they didn't do a they lot do of this the kind of stuff. the guy who dropped from yeah. the Felix high, Baumgartner. Yeah. yeah, that was that Red Bull. Awesome. So it's like they do this marketing stuff, but it is also like there's legit research that happens at the lab. Yeah, what's and, funny is yeah. two hours is a completely arbitrary time, right? You right. know, well, and right. yet it does it just happens to coincide with what the limit is. It might be that was my idea. Like the four minute mile. That was my idea. Once one person breaks two. They should lie to him and say someone beat the two-minute mile. Seriously. <laughs> it is a mental barrier. That, really it, it really is. is. It yeah. really is. Oh. But the thing is, I think 25 seconds over 26 miles is trivial. So I think someone's clearly going to beat that. Mm-hmm. But what I think, though, but there is some biomechanical limit. There yeah. is mm-hmm. some limit that humans can never... So maybe it's an hour and 55 minutes. No human is ever going to cross that. You know, it's hard to calculate. I don't know, but Bob, there I, is a point where... You, you, just, no human. But wait, without just with genetic variability, over time, you're, there's always going to probably be someone that could have, you know, yeah, but shave it, a couple but of seconds. So, but then you're saying that where's the cutoff? Like, it's, exactly. nobody's right. going to run a, a marathon in 12 minutes. That's impossible. Yeah. You know that's, what I mean? So there has right. to be a at cutoff. some point. At some point, there's going to be some cutoff where there's no ge- the genetic variability. Can't I get do what you're it. Saying. Like, augmentation. Yeah. You won't be human anymore. Th- yeah, that type right. of thing. But what is that number? It's but it's interesting to think that there is that number somewhere. Yeah. For any for any race, hundred yard dash, whatever. It's all the, the mental thing that was fascinating because every record that you see, the big records like uh, any Olympic sort of thing, long jump. I mean, forever that was the twenty six, twenty five feet or whatever it was. Like no one, no one could beat that. And then that that time in Mexico and whatever the seventy six or 
72, and they, the guy went like 27 feet or whatever, and it was like, oh, okay. Was that just, 68? Was that the Olympics in Mexico? That was 68. I think so, 68. Yeah, okay, but the guy Panther did. Guys, the yeah. guy was like, he broke the record by two feet or some yeah. crazy number. Um, and it happens again and again that sort of all of these things kind of fall away. So right. maybe in 50 right. years, like the two-hour elite, you know, marathon will be, will be oh, okay, yeah. It'll be like the four minute mile. You're talking about these these big time differences, decades, right? Yeah. Decades ago, people thought the four minute mile. Right. Decades ago, think about all of the background technology that has improved within those decades, like the medicine, the nutrition, training, training, video assist, and computer yeah, stuff. I mean, and it's then, not yeah. just obviously psychological. People right, are, right, right. you know, and people who want to be yeah. healthier are healthier yeah, now. Yeah, people yeah. who are striving for that sure. have more available to yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, you, you just I see this all the time on YouTube with like. You know, seven-year-old guitarists yeah. that are monsters, mm -hmm. and you just go, like, how? And you realize, oh, well, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, the instruments are better, the availability is better, the teaching's better, the coaching's better. Mm -hmm. They knew to start practicing earlier. Yeah, and yeah. The, the availability of, of 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 types of lessons and stuff. Not not to take away anything from someone's diligent work, but and it's not just like it's a outlier. There's one kid. There's yeah. like modern modern hundreds of kids. Yeah. And same thing with athletes. You just yep. get yeah. these athletes because the coaching is better. Everything and is, everything is better. And they're scouted when they're so yeah. And there's seven and, they're and a half billion people yeah. in the world. Right. How many people were there in the world a hundred years ago? Yeah. I, I get I get that, but I also think, Gio, like, do you think that that kid was predisposed to be able to do that? Or do you think it's just the time in? No, I think because it's too prevalent. I think you get there's way too many examples. I think, you, you, again, you have outliers and you have you have sort of Predisposed, you know, pre-geniuses that could take advantage of whatever conditions they have, but I just think that the the, the training and the equipment and the coaching is so. Okay. And I say that you know you can coach yourself now. But you also can't separate the two. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah, There's too right. much interaction yeah, right. between the nature. Yeah, but don't and forget when 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 you're looking at for examples of extreme human performance, when you get to that wall, you're going to need the optimal genetic profile to do optimal it. Optimal everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything but also the optimal have. training right. protocol. All of yeah. it needs to be. All of it. Down I love the, the weather. The Jerry Seinfeld bit where he talks about the runners, how like between first place and eighth place is like, this is first and this is eighth. Dead last. Dead last. Like, best in the world, want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Like, at that point, it's right. like hundreds yeah. of a second, you yeah. know, 100 meter dash or whatever. I bet you I know how we could shave those last 26 seconds right. off. How, Steve? You got to put a sticker on them <laughs> that has vibrational Ooh. energy. <laughs> And it segway, will that, segue right, there. Kara? Yeah, won't that I like work? That segue. Yeah. So, who? This news article was trending kind of towards the end of last week. So, who has heard about these goop stickers? I see. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the audience. Who's wearing a goop sticker? Yeah. Who? Who has a body vibe on right now? Okay. So, this company is called Body Vibes, and they were actually. Uh, but they only work on supermodels. They only apparently. Yeah. Apparently, they only work on supermodels. And Body Vibes um, is being promoted on Goop, which is, of course, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle brand, uh, who brought to you the Jade Vagina Egg. What is a lifestyle brand? It's, uh, exactly. it's a money-making empire, okay. is what it is. We need um, an SGU lifestyle brand. We That's do. a way to get lifestyle very wealthy brand. people to buy your crap. That's what it is. And so these body vi this Body Vibes company was actually formed around technology, I'm using this really loosely, technology by a company called Alpha Biocentrics. And so I'm going to get to Alpha Biocentrics soon because I think that's where the real story is. But first, let's talk about the Goop story. What can we name this company which will just just scream bullshit? Yeah, yes, exactly. What can we name? What can 
be possibly alpha biosynthesis? So Steve wrote about this. So did Gizmodo did a great write up on these stickers.、Um, and originally, if you go to Goop's website now and you read about the stickers, some stuff has been pulled because so many people brought to their attention. But originally, they claimed that、uh, this sticker used quote NASA space spacesuit material in it. Um, and their claim was that this was the same、uh, material in space. It's this carbon material that helped read the biometric data of NASA astronauts. And of course, NASA said we don't do that. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't have that technology. And also, there is no carbon in spacesuits. Um, at all, and if there、so、were they just carbon, made it up. they just made it up. If、yeah. there were carbon in spacesuits, it would be there to add strength. It wouldn't not be there for like energy frequency readings.、Um, <laughs> and so I want to read you what some of the claims are on the the stickers.、Um, if we actually look at the Goop website, it says、um, the concept: human bodies operate at an ideal energetic frequency. But every everyday stresses and anxiety can throw off our internal balance, depleting our energy reserves and weakening our immune systems. Body Vibe stickers come pre-programmed to an ideal frequency, <laughs> allowing them to target imbalances. While you're wearing them close to your heart on your left shoulder or arm, they'll fill in the deficiencies in your reserves. I like, a, I like how they throw in those random details to yeah, make like it make seem sure real. Make like, sure you put it within three inches of your whatever. Well, and they also later on, if you dig around the website, like how soon will it work? It's like different bodies resonate differently. So <laughs> some of you will feel it, it within a few hours, but we recommend wearing them for at least a month, right? Because you only get ten、oh. in a pack for sixty dollars. So that means you have to buy three packs in order to、uh, do that. Yeah.、Um, So, oh, and apparently they can help clear your skin too. They have okay. So when you look at the the read, different read the title the title of the piece. Oh, which piece?、Just、Wearable like, stickers that promote healing. Parenthesis. Really? Exclamation, exclamation point. Even they、uh, know it's bullshit. Yeah, that's not true. Really? So this unbelievable claim. And so if you go to the website <laughs> to like shop for body vibes, they have all these different kinds. They have hydrate, a ten pack of hydrate. I mean, you could drink water, but that's cool. They have anti-anxiety. They have a hangover ten pack. A self-love. Oh, they're、pack. really going for yeah. it. Yeah.、Um, mental focus. Ooh, they got a、chill. fast twitch. Sticker, yeah,、cool. that, right. Yeah.、Um, and so, because it, it, it's they have a gullibility one. Gullibility, <laughs> yeah, right.、Um, sold out. That one works. I think that's that the, I think that's the self love ten pack.、Yeah. Um, and so the thing is, 60, where do you put that one? Sixty dollars. Oh, it'll tell you if you click through. Yeah, right. Anywhere yeah. you want.、Um, this one says for courage, healing, and self confidence. Empower yourself. Like those are the instructions.、Yeah. That's all you get.、Um, <laughs> instructions. But the scary thing about this is that. People buy it. I mean, it's scary because yes, we talk a lot about、um, pseudoscience and hucksterism and how you know these companies or individuals even take advantage of of、um, gullible people. And a lot of times, it really just is about taking advantage of their wallet. And there's a part of everybody that I think has like a Schadenfreude in them that's like、yes. these goop shoppers deserve it. But at the same time, I want to I want to remember that the, this isn't just like oh it's a hangover ten pack like there is a hangover ten pack. It's like you put it on and I feel better after my hangover. There are ones called anti-anxiety. There's one called that's scary. It's yeah, scary. That's There's scary. one called mood boost that says promotes a positive outlook and balances mood swings. I don't know about you, but I don't think that somebody with bipolar disorder、yeah. should be using a sticker to try and improve their their mental functioning. So I, I think this does actually. 
actually move over into that area of danger. Um, mm-hmm. But but so okay. First things first, they claim that there's NASA spacesuit material. Gizmodo writes about it. Asks NASA for comment. NASA comes back, and actually, NASA doesn't come back right away. But there's a uh, previous um, NASA science lead who they interviewed, who no longer works at NASA. Sometimes it's easier to get comments from people because otherwise they have to go through their PR people. Um, and his comment was, "Quote: What a load of BS this is." Um, yeah. No. Wow. What a load of BS this is. So. Um, and kind of, he's the one who clarified NASA doesn't put carbon in their spacesuits. Um, Goop has since pulled the claim regarding NASA from its website. And then the company Body Vibes said, quote, this is their kind of retraction claim. And this really pisses me off. We apologize to NASA, Goop, our customers, and our fans for this communication error. It's an error. We never intended to mislead anyone. Yeah, you did. Um, we've learned that our engineer was misinformed by a distributor about the material in question. Here's the thing, which was purchased for its unique specifications. Yet they go on and say, we regret not doing our due diligence before including the distributor's information in the story. However, the origins of the material do not any way impact the efficacy of our product. (laughs) Body Vibes remains committed to offering a holistic lifestyle tool, and we stand by the quality and effectiveness of it. You can't have it both ways. ways. Yes, you can. They just did, apparently. Yeah. And so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, and I looked into alpha biocentrics. And oh, man, the things they sell are amazing. Okay, they sell a patch, an antioxidant patch. They sell a prostate care patch. Hello, dangerous. How is the antioxidant still a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, They sell a patch that's designed to reduce the symptoms of an enlarged prostate. So, yeah, that's not dangerous at all. Uh, Speaking of the antioxidant thing, it was funny. mm -hmm. I was looking for stuff to post on Facebook, and there was a news item that I was like, hmm, should I post this or not? It was about Chinese researchers who genetically engineered a purple rice. Yes, yeah, yes, that. yes. Oh, okay. But it's high in antioxidants, yes. and I couldn't oh, find God. anything about it that didn't declare how it was high in antioxidants. <laughs> so, I'm like, do I go with the GM or the antioxidant hype? <laughs> it's too uh, much. I decided not to post. It's it. too much. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's an easy go to. So they do a lot of this antioxidant bullshit on yeah. there. Um, Oh, apparently, oh, sorry, I just, I love this. It's just an endless supply uh, on the Body Vibes website. Now, remember, this is the company that actually markets the stickers. Our bodies operate at an optimal internal frequency, ah, a yeah. sweet spot in the neighborhood of 62 to 72 hertz. Yeah, they're not the only Stu- company that has said this. this yeah, that studies have shown that when our frequency slips, our immune system's compromised, which opens the door really? to Where's the sick. study? Did they yeah. cite the study? No, they didn't cite no the study. Link, no Come on, there's there. actually a whole science and technology page. Whoa. Yeah, that has no study. That has it. no science. <laughs> Science or technology in it. Um, it just talks about how they're performance-driven, how Alpha Biocentrics pioneered bioenergy synthesis technology. Best. So I, I, this uh, is process what, uh, using a one-of-a-kind device, an accelerator frequency generator. I mean, that yeah. sounds like a turbo. Guys, why doesn't the government <laughs> shut them down? Why don't we have an agency that just shuts right? this crap down? Uh, so, yes. okay, here's the thing. Alpha Biocentric super dangerous. So you can look at all these things. They sell, like, medallions that balance your uh, magnetic, yeah, your chakras and stuff. But the one that I found that is, like, incredible is the digestive solution energy card and it looks like a credit card it even has the 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 strip on the back yeah you guys you guys Ah, okay you swipe it in your ass what do you do no it's even better are you ready instructions 
Place the digestive solution energy card under your food plate for 20 to 25 seconds. Oh my god! And then place your beverage for the same amount of time. Your body will receive the bioenergetic signatures from the energy card. The energy card is guaranteed for two years.、Yes. Guaranteed for what? Yeah, it says no. It won't if, fall apart. The first I mean, sentence: the digestive solution energy card is made for human carbon units. You can now boost your body's energy signature by placing this digestive solution energy card under your food plate and the beverage of your choice, and receive energy back from the card instantly. The energy card has a magnetic strip embedded in the back that holds digitally enhanced information that, once your food or beverage comes in contact with it, the energy is delivered immediately to the food and beverage, thereby boosting the energy to your food to maximize the nutrition、Holy、you consume. Digitally enhanced information. <laughs> A Nobel Prize for that. They sell this. I mean, people purchase yeah, this, people. and then they go to restaurants and they put it under their water bottle for 20 seconds, and then they have more water nutrition when they drink it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you guys, so you know what that reminds me of? I just, you just made me think of. You ever see the wine card? Yeah. The, oh yes. The wine、oh, credit card thing.、Yeah. So this is a derivative of、yeah. the wine. Well, it's, card. it's a derivative, really, of that. You know, they blew the the cover off of the、um, the dealer out of. Was it out of the UK? Who sold basically these、um, dousing rods? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 We talked about that. We talked about、yeah. that before on the show. But why it, isn't this fraud?、That's、it is fraud. Yeah, and how is it that it's what about the prostate stuff? Available on their website. How is it that the FDA hasn't shut this down? Isn't the prostate thing? Isn't that diagnosing something? I mean, is、yeah. well, because like, it probably says on the on the thing just like any vitamin.、Okay. This is not intended to diagnose treat. Yeah, it says it on the stickers. It has that little. You know what's it? But then,、so、right we, above it, it says, "This will, you know, right, shrink、sure. your prostate." Even、It's、if、so、anyone、scary. took them to task, the government, the state, or people, right? They would be sued, and they would be sued for about a hundredth of what they made. Yeah, right.、So、Wouldn't even come close to showing doing this. You're you're due to some weird circumstance. You're at a dinner with Gwyneth Paltrow. What do you what do you say to her? Like you're at you're at a table, you know you got about you got about thirty minutes. You can probably talk to her, and you want to be nice about it. And like like, how do you how well, do you want to be nice about it? Gwyneth Paltrow. No, I mean, like, you know, you can find article not articles, videos online of Gwyneth Paltrow being interviewed by like late night talk show hosts,、mm-hmm. where she's like. I don't know how any of this crap no, works. Like yeah, she she's all about admitted saying. Yeah, she's like, I curate the website. Different people write about it. I think everybody should have the opportunity to. She lends her name and celebrity to yeah, these products and ideas. Yeah, but when you ask her, she uses them. She's like,、it. No, I don't、so、know what they work. What would you? What would you? How would you approach would her? How do you sleep at night? Yeah, I guess is what the, I would say. To you. That would be the question for me. It would be, you know, if I was able to get into. I think she puts one of those cards under her pillow for twenty minutes before she gets into bed. Because I've been in a situation where. Yeah, I've been in a situation where I'm face to face with a Hollywood celebrity、yeah. at a dinner party,、right. and we're talking about these kinds of things. And it is very—I'm di- not there to, you know, change their mind in 20、right. seconds. I can't do that, and I don't want to be contentious and start a fight.、Right. And so,、um, it's really—I think about asking questions. Yeah, a lot of times that's it's, where you start. Yeah, and you, you build on that. What?、Yeah. Why do you do this? Or like, what?、Um, what things on your website do you use? And then you start saying things、mm-hmm. like. You know, do you think that some people might be taken advantage by this?、Mm-hmm. And oh, maybe, but at the same time, aren't it's that passive aggressive? Why aren't you concerned yeah, about selling yeah, I mean, pseudoscience like, to you know, people? Does you know? that 
She's not stupid. She knows she's making a boatload of yeah. money off of this. I, and when you ask her about grounding, which is or earthing, which earthing, they advocate, which is walking around without your shoes on to get like energy frequencies out of the dirt, she's like, "That's dumb." Like she'll say things. Like there are plenty of yeah. videos online cross. where she's like, "I don't buy into a lot I would, of this I stuff. would get her to listen to the SGU. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Maybe that would help would. a bit. Mm. Eventually. Maybe we should start our own, our own lifestyle brand Seriously. where we... See, this yeah. is, but this is where I have a very hard time because there's malfeasance here. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it is uh, horribly taking advantage of people and probably, like, we, you know, the typical thing is people aren't going to the doctor or receiving legitimate treatments and they're doing this half, you know, this... Mm-hmm. Total crap is like not servicing humanity in a positive but, way. You know, talking to Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't think it's going to change that. I think what's yeah, going to change it because this is this is actually a moral question more than it's a legal question. I'm sure that Goop's lawyers do a good job of making sure that the disclaimers are in the bottom of the articles. Obviously, these products all have the same disclaimers that vitamins and yeah. supplements, supplements yeah. have to. Have. So, really, the question is. Are the laws strict enough? Yeah. Are, no, they're are not. we doing that's enough? That's not a question. Yeah. The right angle the, is educating the populace. And, and right. advocating politically for changing the legislation. Yeah. I think we have to be more involved there as well. Yeah, fraud is fraud, you would think. But like, this technically, I don't think, is construed as... Oh, no, because right, right. they're making structure function claims. If you notice all the claims right. where it boosts this, it enhanced that, yeah. and, you know, it lines or whatever. They didn't, they didn't say it cures a disease. They I didn't mention any diseases cure, by right. name. So I if they know. do that and they, and they have the disclaimer, the, the, what we call the quack Miranda warning, you know, yeah. this doesn't actually work, but whatever, <laughs> then technically they're within the letter of the law as a, as a, they're selling it as a kind of, as a supplement, you know, dietary supplement health and education act. And then the only, then the FTC might go after them if they think that they're misleading claims, if they're making misleading commercial claims. The FTC is actually more aggressive and has more power than the FDA at this point. But even then, just they don't have enough, really don't have the resources and the power to really, to, to monitor this kind of stuff and deal with it. So the, the absolutely the regulations need to change. The but the political will isn't there. It is amazing though. It does, you know, when I wrote about it, I focused mainly, cause it's, uh, I don't need to tell people that's bullshit. Anyone's yeah, reading my book. It, it was mainly, you know, how is it that people would buy this? What is yeah. going on in someone's head where they think they could put a sticker on their arm and it's going to realign their body vibrations and whatever? And <laughs> it is a combination of scientific illiteracy because you got to be pretty yeah. clueless about how the universe works to think that, but also a complete lack of critical thinking skills. Yeah. It's well, know? and I think what you're missing out a third tier that I see a lot in Hollywood, which is. Um, so it's a lack of critical thinking skills and, you know, this, the blind spots, the sacred cow, like yeah. that, why do otherwise intelligent people, you know, because sometimes they do have good critical thinking skills, but they still fall victim. Compartmentalization. And they do compartmentalize. And yes, maybe their science literacy is low, even though their political literacy is quite high. But I think a lot of it is fundamental distrust of some sort of system. Mm-hmm, I think right. you see that a lot. These people that think yes. that the, the pharmaceutical industry but is you trust you. these guys? Exactly. The Why would you trust them? Because since there are no regulations on how they market this stuff, yeah. they can say and do whatever they want, and they seem like the alternative. But that's I mean, the that's marketing really aspect of it. Alternative medicine umbrella yeah. is so attractive to you. But it's, also, it's also the language thing, though. You yeah, go to yeah. this, and you kind of read this mumbo-jumbo, but it kind of makes sense. You look at 
at the warning on the back of an ad for Zyrtec, it's this page of stuff yeah. because they have to because they're playing by the, real, the rules. They're they're the rules. Real right. So you're gonna go. Why would I want to put this in my body when I can have yeah. this in my body? And so there's just something about having an alternative to the mainstream. I mean, the, the rhetoric that I hear all the time from my friends in LA who are these um, pound the pavement anti-GMO pro natural pro organic people is that. The, the complex out there, big food and big medicine wants to keep you sick so they can keep selling you their products. Right. And that's, that's the their goal, that, right? right? And so if we can come in with an alternative treatment that works, and then these alternative treatments are the definition of pseudoscience, because they, of course, use scientific-sounding terminology. Yeah, I mean, right. it's all bullshit. The writer of the, um, of the Gizmodo article called it what would happen if you put Enya lyrics in a blender. <laughs> that really, yeah. Or it's like that that Chopra. You guys have seen that great Deepak yeah. Chopra generator, meme yeah. generator. Yeah, it's right. just like that. Yet, it sounds just scientific enough. Was that also like, the article that said flushing a speak and spell down the toilet? Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's all those things. Oof, that food card, though. Come on. <laughs> it activates the pro-nutritional vibrations in the food. Yeah. Sold out. Tara, I mean, come on. Sold out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, George. George, you you told me that you have this game you want to I play with I have a very this. silly game that we're going to play with yeah. the SGU because why not? So does anyone know what a spoonerism is? Yes. Okay, yes. so there was this professor. My wife and I do it every night in bed. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> follow that I thought your porkerism in bed. That's <laughs> um, so there was this professor, I, I forget what his first name was, but there was an actual professor, Dr. Spooner, and he would, he would transpose the first parts of words with the second parts, and he would, so any sort of, uh, uh, compound phrase, he would sort of mess up. So, like McDonald's would become Dick Monald's. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So you hear this kind of happen all the time. So I made up a little game here. We're going to go down. Sort of everyone has a chance to get some points. Uh, made up of spoonerisms. This game is called Spoon Me. For you, Steve. It's Thank perfect. You. Okay. Uh, so, for example, if I were to ask the question, uh, who was the man that started the Ray Jeff? Who was the man that started the Ray Jeff? The answer would be... Randy. Randy. No. The answer would be Rames Jandy. Rames Jandy. Rames Jandy. Crap. So we have to answer it. We have to answer with the spoonerism. So the answer is uh, Rames Jandy. Okay? Does that make sense? I'm not going to be good I'm at this. Be, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is really stupid, but it's just... I just had so much fun making these up. So... We're going to go down. So I'll give you, each person individually will have a chance first. If they don't come up with it, then someone else can chime in, whoever wants to chime in for the, for the throwaway. So How much do you want to bet that Jay is an accidental genius at this game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand the game. Because you have such a hard time pronouncing certain words. You always do oh, this. Oh, I do. Yeah, you do. Unintentionally. Yeah. Right. Are, we, are we clear on the rules? Do we understand how this is working? Now? No, so the clue, the clue will have a spoonerism in it. So again, so I said, yeah, who was the right. man that started the rage? It's supposed to be the JREF, is the, is the organization, the James Randi Educational Foundation is called the JREF. But I said, who was the man that started the Ray Jeff? And the answer is Rames Jandy. Okay, Evan's going to be the first one. Ready? Here's the first question. Speaking of, of, uh, Rames Jandy. <laughs> what was the title of the book by Rames Jandy that featured Potter Peepoff? First, we have to know the answer to the question. Oh, what was the title of that damn book? I'll say it again. What was the title of the book by Rames Jandy that featured Potter Peepoff? Anyone else jump is in? Is it no. The Hate Feelers? The Hate Feelers is correct. Yes. Hate Feelers. Thank you. One point for Steve. Very nicely yeah. done. I thought, it was, I thought it might be the flim, his Flim Flam book. 
Uh, that would be a hard one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be that one. So that's, that's why I didn't pick that one. Nice try, Bob. I was, I was hoping. You missed the same letter for both parts. It doesn't quite work. Flimflam. Spoonerism. Flimflam. Flimflam is flimflam. Yeah. Okay. Jay. Yes. What rind of K's helped create the Incredible Ulk? Oh, I know. I know. Wait. Ramagaze. Ramagaze. That's correct. Very good. I wouldn't have known the answer to that one. Steve, are you ready? Yeah. What podcast is hosted by Sitchard Ronders? That would be... I know what the, oh, the old name was. <laughs> the Teptic Skanked. Skank. But I don't know what his <laughs> new one is. The Teptic Skank. Skank. The Oh, yeah. The Zeptic Skank. Zeptic Skank. Zeptic Skank is the correct answer. Very nicely done. Okay. Kara, let's see. Okay. Who is known... As the ad bastronomer. Oh, um, Plil Flate. Yes, good enough. <laughs> I would say Pill Flate, but that's fine. Oh. That's fine. So wait. Phil and Plate. Yeah, so so Plil Flate. Pill Flate. Pill oh, Flate. Yeah, you could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Plil Fate. Okay, good. That's right. Bob, you ready? No. <laughs> Make it a good one. Okay, this is a good one. Who wrote Twitch Hrunty 2 and the Pissionary Musician? <laughs> I don't know. Christopher Tritchens. Christopher Chickens, yeah. Say it again? Christopher Kitchens? No. Christopher Chickens. Chickens. Christopher Chickens, yes, very good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chickens, yeah, not chickens. I, said, yes. I went for Richard Dawkins by accident. You could say Christopher Chickens. That would also be correct. Okay. Right? Christopher. Christopher. Okay, Evan, Chickens. back to you. All right. We're going to keep doing this, okay? You know what this is? This is like, anybody in here fluent in another language? Like anybody in here? Yeah. So you know how when you're first learning the other language, you have to translate everything yeah. in your head? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. what this feels like. Every, yeah, it's yeah. so slow. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be fluent in spoonerism. Evan, you ready? Ready. Who is the host of Winfo Oars? Oh, that is Jalex... Uh, Owns. Alex Owns. Very good. Alex Owns. Alex Owns. Very good. Okay. Jay. Yeah. Star Wars question for you, Jay. Yes. Oh. Ready? Yes. Who originally owned the Felinium Malcolm? Uh, that would be uh, San Holo. No. No, no. Originally? Originally owned. Can I get a second guess? <laughs> well, I don't know who the original original well, Come okay. on. Before San Holo. Candle. Uh, Candle. Larissian. Cando Lalrissi. Yes. Very good, very good. Okay. Now, what if I ripped out the original owner's name? I looked it up. I couldn't find the original well, okay, owner. Yeah, I went, on, I went on Wikipedia. <laughs> Does anyone know? Is there anyone before Lando Because in movie it? two, the shitty ones, yeah. the Millennium Falcon can see landing on, uh, oh, right. on right, right, the right. planet. I forget the name like of the planet. Wikipedia didn't And was know. Lando flying it then? Or was it Han? Can you see? Can you, or is it too far away? Well, it was in the movie. It's there. Somebody's flying the damn thing. Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not a good sign. Okay. What is or name <laughs> Ray Tartar Jolkin's Tramus Philogy? <laughs> um, oh, how do you do that? Lord of the Lings? Lord of the Lings. Very good. Very good. Lord of the Lings. Is this right. J.R.R. Jolkin? Is yes. That you... Ray Tartar Jolkin. Ray Tartar Jolkin. I thought it was Jar Jar Binks. I thought he was going Jar Jar That's coming, Bob. Bob. Okay. Kara, ready? Yeah, yeah. Which 
Nientist's semesis was Iomos Tedison. Tomos Yedison? Which Nientist's semesis? <laughs> oh, is this Tikola Nes- was, yes. uh, mm-hmm. Nesla? Tikola yeah. Nesla. Very good. Tikola Nesla. Very good. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Good job, Karen. <laughs> What a delightful name, Tickle. <laughs> tickle of Nestle. Sounds like a Harry Potter okay. character. And you're Tickle. Oh, are you ready? Who is the oldest Bovella Nother? That's no Jovella. No Jovella. Very good. Yeah, no Jovella. That's no Jovella. That's our, yeah, that's our brother who's not here. It's my twin. Okay. Back to Evan? Mm. Okay. Evan, ready? Mm. The Bithmusters comprises of these Mu Ten. Oh, uh, that would be uh, Saddam Avage. Right. <laughs> and Hamie Jineman. Very good. <laughs> okay, Jay, another yeah. Star Wars question. Okay. Ready? Yes. What is the official title of War Stores Thepisode Re? <laughs> okay. Um, Give me a second here. I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> Anyone can jump in. Sevenge of the Rift. Sevenge of the Rift. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Good job, very Steve. Good, it, was, it was coming. It was coming. Okay. <laughs> Steve. <this laughs> Ready, Steve? This all right, we swap one. one each now. Okay. Name all of the whore forcemen. <laughs> the whore um, forcemen. Yes. Biblical or atheist? Atheist. Oh. Theseist. Um, Theseist? Um, yeah. Theseist. So it's Christopher Kitchen. <laughs> right. That's one. Um, Ditchard Rockins. Ditchard yeah. Rockins, very good. Yeah. Um, Ham Saris. Ham Saris, <laughs> very good. <laughs> and. That's uh, a hard one. Yeah. What's the fourth one? What's the fourth one? Anybody um, out there? No it's one? not. Uh, <laughs> say it again. What? Daniel. Oh, Daniel Dennett. Daniel Dennett. Oh, Daniel very good. Yes. yes. Daniel Dennett. Very good. Very good. Okay. Cool. Uh, Daniel Dennett. Yes. I see. Okay. Uh, like Daniel Dennett. Okay. Kara. Oh yes. What is the Asian art of furniture placement? Oh, that's um, Sheng. Wait, Sheng Fui. <laughs> very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> okay, Bob. Uh, yes. Often performed in parks. What is the Asian martial mart practiced for its belf benefits? Oh, oh, oh. Crap, I know this. I we used to enjoy this at restaurants before That's I had to right. go off camp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, chai tea? Chai, chai tea. <laughs> chai tea. <laughs> good job, Bob. Did you assist him? No. No. That was good. <laughs> That's a, is there a name for that kind of spoonerism? That actually makes, makes it into yeah. another word. Yeah. Must be some kind <laughs> of yeah. yeah. So Evan, mm. name a heist spot drink. Uh, uh, what is it? Sapolider. Tai Chi. Very good. Tai Chi. Very good. That was a trick question. See what I did? Because it was like a flippy. But hey, Sapolider counts too. That just got too meta for me. I actually got confused. Couldn't get a second. Like tea. We just did that. Sapolider. I couldn't get the second. Okay. Oh, all right. Where we go, Jay? Yes. Which actress advocated Vanti acts? Which actress? That was. No, why are we so tired? Menifer Jakarthi. That's right. Oh. Yeah, Menifer Jakarthi. Menifer. Menifer, okay, Menifer yeah. Menifer Jakarthi or Meni Jakarthi. Very nice. Oh, Very right. nice. Okay. Steve, here's a hard one. 
because you're good at this. Like stereotype threat there. What is a quirical selection of stars that corbits an or? Ah. Oh. Um, a oh. Clobular guster? Yes. Close. A Yeah, clobular gluster? Yeah. Gluster. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> clobular gluster. Oh, yeah, there's two L's in there. Clobular <laughs> cluster. Okay. Uh, Kara, uh-huh. what game is usually at the end of every episode of Geptic Side Thutavuni Yours? <laughs> <laughs> Science or fiction? Very good. <laughs> All right. If I didn't know that, that would be bad. And then... Another one for Bob. Another one for Bob. <laughs> Bob. Okay. We don't have to do it. <laughs> Which SGU rogue was born in Tlano, Texas? Sarah Canamaria. That's what everybody calls me, weirdly. Sarah Cannamaria? People call me Sarah Cannamaria all the time on accident. Really? Yeah. That is it's crazy. It's a common... They spooner you? False spooner. See, spoon- yeah. See, I had Sarah Mantacaria or Mara Cantasaria. <laughs> Mara Cantasaria. Those are the two. Yeah. But Sarah Cantamaria is incredibly common. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Weird, Finally, right? up yeah. for everybody, Ravi. Who travels true thyme with companions like Pammy Ond and Toes Ryler? Hector Drew. 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 Kierwan Handling. Kierwan Handling. These make me so happy. I don't know why they make me so happy. And finally, one more Star Wars. Oh, the ones with vowels are hard. Oh, this is my favorite one. Uh, who did Listopher Cree play in Clock of the Atones? I have no uh, idea. Um, Down Cuckoo. Down Cuckoo. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Down. And I see by the cuckoo. score that uh, I won. So there we go. <laughs> It's time for science or fiction. Are you guys ready for science or fiction? Okay. Um, All right, this week, Evan is substituting for science or fiction. Evan, take it away. Thank you very much, Steve. Each week, Steve normally (laughs) presents us with three items. Two are real and one is fiction. It is up to the panel and all of you to decide which one is the fiction. Is everyone ready? Yes. Yes. Would my lovely assistant please hand me the paper? She's been taking good care of it all evening. My daughter, Rachel, everyone. I had the uh, distinct pleasure of hosting uh, my dear friend Richard Saunders uh, for the past couple days. (laughs) I'll eventually get that right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it was his first time coming to New England what? and New York as well. Oh, never mind. And being that this is the New England New York Conference for Science and Skepticism, we uh, took a little trip the other day up to the Mark Twain House to have a little flavor of New England, which is in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, the house uh, where Mark Twain lived for 17 of his years and wrote his most famous books. So there is a theme. For the science or fiction, oh, cool. it is Mark Twain. All right. Or Anybody Quark here Maine have Quark Maine. Quark Maine. Okay. No. All right, here we go. Number one, Mark Twain's first success as a writer was his 1865 short story, The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County. However, the story was not his own creation. 
An acquaintance in a bar told him the story, and he adapted it into the famous short story. Number two, Mark Twain kept both cats and dogs as pets. He loved cats, but he did not care much for dogs. At one point, his family had three pet collies, which he named Beelzebub, Pestilence, and Blatherskite. (laughs) Number three, Mark Twain and his wife Olivia slept in their bed in reverse with their heads at the foot of the bed and their feet at the head of the bed, and they slept in a propped-up position because they believed it was healthier than sleeping lying down. Should we pull the audience first? Mm -hmm. Okay, so with a single clap... You're going to, for those who think it's number one, which is the jumping frog story, that it was not his, it was told to him by someone in a bar, give me a single clap if you think that one is the fiction. You ready? Are you ready? Like right when you did there. Okay, ready? Thank you, George. Here we go. Number one. Okay. If you believe number two, this is the one about dogs and cats, and he didn't quite like dogs as much as cats, and he named them all these awful names. If you think that's the fiction, fuck. Together, right? Come on. (laughs) All right. Okay. The third one about sleeping in the bed in reverse. If you think that one is the fiction, right? Huh. That was a pretty even split. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't think two or three was probably. Thanks, that was not helpful at all. <laughs> so we're going to see. If, uh, now we're going to pass it right down the line. Starting okay. with Jay. So the first one um, about the the celebrated jumping frog of Calveras County. That's that's an interesting title. I, I've never heard it. I'm. Really? Mildly surprised I haven't heard that. Um, I do not think that this one is the fiction, however. I do think that Mark Twain would have listened to a story and thought, I can make that much better and and decided to write it. So that one, I believe. Second one here, uh, kept both cats and dogs, didn't like dogs, liked cats, and named them these funny names. That is so Mark Twain, I totally believe that one. And I, um, the last one, I don't believe about them sleeping uh, on an angle and they thought it was healthier and I'm making this decision solely on, I, I don't think Mark Twain, I think he was a critical thinker of the day. I think he, he wouldn't have fallen for something like this. Steve, I'd like to see, Evan, can I ask you a question? Are yes. these things you learned while you were touring the Mark they Twain? They are things I learned while touring. My, my guide's so name was Al, and he was and, quite... And you vetted them independently? I did. In fact, I had to call uh, the Mark Twain house today to verify a couple of the things that had to do with, okay. uh, with today. So, they, so Richard knows the answer? Uh, Richard does. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I've heard of the you know the jumping frog story. I didn't hear. I've never heard about the uh, the second part though that it was cribbed from a bar story. But that sounds that sounds plausible. The dogs and cats one, who knows, um, does sound like Twain. The the names, maybe he named the cats that, and not the dogs. Yeah, <laughs> would ever do that? I don't know. Um, I, I like Jay. I want to believe the third one is the fiction, but. My thinking is that that is exactly the kind of thing you would learn touring man's house because the, the bed were propped up. Yeah. Or maybe it was something else in the sleeping arrangements. I don't know. That, that, that could easily be the, the fiction. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm going to go with Jay and say that the, the sleeping one is the fiction. Okay. So the inclination with the sleeping one is to try to imagine how that actually works. How do you have a bed device so you can be switched, that you can both be inclined? It's hard. Just prop up on pillows. Pillows? Okay. Is that enough? Like, or, or are they sitting sort of upright? I'm trying, okay, maybe pillows will do it. See, now I would think that the, in the story of the frog, he says he heard this, but I don't think he actually heard it from someone else. So I believe the cats and dogs are the names are correct. I believe that he would sleep with his wife 
separately or, or facing different directions. But I think even though in the story he says that he heard it from someone else, that wasn't true. So I'm going to say the frog is the fiction. Okay, that's Kara. Yeah, um, that's a good argument. I think some people sleep propped up because they get heartburn, right? I think that's a thing that people do. So I don't see why that would be back then. Yeah, sleep propped up and maybe you get heart. I don't understand why they would sleep in it in reverse, personally. And there's no explanation here. So I will be interested for you to fill us in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe the dogs and the and uh, cats thing. I think it's pretty funny, though. It says that he named them Beelzebub, Pestilence, and Blatherskite. Blatherskite? Love that. I love um, that. That's probably not what their Great actual name. names were. Like, according to his parents, <laughs> that's probably just what he named them. Unless that was, like, when he was older. And, yeah, his family. It doesn't say if it was his parents or not. Uh, I think I'm going to... I'm going to... Go with you and say that, um, yeah, he did not actually overhear the story. I mean, his first success, I think he probably had so many ideas mm-hmm. already and was really pushing to get them published. And he probably picked the best thing he had written to try to publish at that time. So I would assume it wouldn't be uh, uh, something that he stole from somebody else. So I'm going to say that's the fiction, that's too. And Bob. Yeah, I definitely read... Knew, kind of knew that the, the frog one was, that it was his first popular book. I never heard about, um, adapting it from a story. Um, I'm sure it's possible. The pet one, yeah. I mean, just the name Bladderskites is so awesome. I'm going to go with that one for that reason alone. The bed one, it's like, how do you know they, strikes me as, that's gotta be real because you're doing a tour and you say, here's Mark Twain's bed. He slept like normal people over here. Like, how do you know? It's got to be a thing. It's got to be a thing in my mind. So I'm going to go with the frog as fiction and join these two cool people. Okay, Bob Kerr and George are the frog, and Steve and Jay are the bed. And nobody took the the cat's dog. Got to pull the audience again. Yes, we're going to pull the audience. So let's see. Uh, Number one in regards to the frog, you're going to clap if you believe it's the fiction. Number two in regards to the cats and dogs, you're going to clap if that's the fiction. Influential. And number three, the one about the bed sleeping in reverse. Crap. So, okay, I think you've had an influence over the audience, most most certainly. Uh, Why don't we take these in, uh, why don't we start with the one that nobody took? Okay, that would make sense. Okay, so it was number two. Mark Twain kept both cats and dogs as pets. He loved cats, but he did not care much for dogs. At one point, his family had three pet collies, which he named Beelzebub, Pestilence, and Blatherskite. You, nobody thought that this was the fiction of our panel, and this one is the fiction. Mark Twain loved both cats and dogs. He was a big animal lover. He, his quotes are filled with positive um, praise for all sorts of animals, cats, dogs, and other animals, and really kind of beats down humans as like the worst of the animals, in oh, fact. A, a couple nice. of his quotes. The dog is a gentleman. I hope to go to his heaven, not man's. <laughs> and heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. <laughs> were these his pet's names? Yeah, the pet's names, those were three of the names of his cats. Uh, the I three said that. That's right. You did say that. But it, <laughs> you almost went, you with, almost that. went with that. He did. Ha- they did have three pet collies. Their names were um, I know, you know, and don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mark Twain. Yeah. Damn it, Evan, you're so good. Yeah. Wow. I was inspired. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know. What so he slept. Say. 
like with his head up and, and opposite his wife. You want to go to that one next? We'll take. Numbers. I'm just you know, now that I know I lost. I just want to know what. what they <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the frogs first, and we'll get to the okay, bed. Yeah. Okay. The first one, Mark Twain's first success as a writer, was his 1865 short story, "The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County." However, the story was not his own creation. An acquaintance in a bar told him the story, and he adapted it into the famous short story. That one is science. Mm-hmm. Um, he admitted this in a follow-up. Uh, article that he wrote in 1894 called The Private and Public Story About the Celebrated Jumping Frog. It was about a nine-page um, article that, that I actually read, and that's exactly what happened, is that he was approached actually by a uh, professor who approached him and said, you know, your story about the frog is actually uh, thousands of years old. It was told in Greek times, and he went through and told him the story of the Greek version. And Mark Twain went, you know, looked it up basically himself and did it, and he found it. He found that version of the story. And, uh, in fact, and then he kind of put it all together. It's like, okay, yes, this is, this story has kind of been told in a sense sort of through the ages. But there are a lot of similarities between the Greek story and the one that he did learn from the, from the, his acquaintance, um, while he was in California in, uh, in the 1850s. He did, and he said that the, well, how did he describe it? He said, uh, the story was told to me by a dull, sullen Californian <laughs> who told it horribly. He said it was like the worst <laughs> telling of a story that he ever heard. And he said, i got to fix this, basically. So yeah. he took it, he wrote it, and it became his first uh, Mark Twain, as Mark Twain, this is just as he became Mark Twain, uh, his first big, big seller, yeah, right. famous story. So that one is science. And then the last one, Mark Twain and his wife Olivia slept in their bed in reverse with their heads at the foot of the bed and their feet at the head of the bed. They slept in a propped up position because they believed it was healthier than sleeping lying down. That one is science. He and his wife, while they were uh, uh, part of a tour, uh, they were in Italy. And they saw this beautiful, beautiful, almost like a sleigh bed, but it had all these uh, ornate carvings in it of angels and and other things. They said the bed cost about $200 at the time, which would be close to about $5,000 now. And the head of the bed was just so beautiful, so beautiful, that uh, story tells that they loved looking at it. So they decided to sleep at the foot of the bed and look at the head, and look at the head of the bed. And also, as far as being propped up, um, Twain propped himself up in that bed and did lots of things. He wrote in the bed. He ate in that bed propped up. Mm-hmm. He smoked cigars in that bed propped up. There are pictures, photographs of him in that bed propped up. Mm-hmm. And yes, According to our tour guide, he did it also for reasons which he thought would benefit his health. And I think perhaps acid reflux may have been one of the things. Yeah. They didn't know what to call it back then. But or sleep apnea. Because, if, hey, if you're eating in bed, then you go to lay down, you know, you're probably going to get some acid reflux. Yeah. But if you fall asleep in, this, in the upright position, that will maybe alleviate he was, that. Maybe he was Minbari. Yeah. Who gets that? Who gets I that? I got that. That's, I thought of that. That's what, that's did they talk about how we got his name? How he chose? How he chose the name. Yes, they did talk about that. He was a uh, riverboat pilot on the Mississippi River for quite a long time. And the, yeah, pilot. And, um, which he was fascinated with. And you call out certain things when, certain things are called out, like the depth of the water. So you know if you're, if it's safe to traverse these waters or if you're going to get into trouble. And Mark Twain is one of those measurements, essentially. And he decided to, Take that and use it as his own. Yeah. Why, why did he pick the name though? Was it a better name for an author at the time? Like Samuel, Samuel Clemens, Clemens is a is a pretty cool name. It is a pretty cool name. 
No, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Well, he wrote under a few different names, uh, Puddinghead something or other, right, Richard, and mm-hmm. uh, and and a few others. So was it was that for different types of different sorts of right, different yeah. sorts of stories. I think that he wanted sense. that sort of river traveling thing. It's like an inside joke already. Oh, right. It's a river term, and right. it's like a southern yeah, okay. stories and expressions about, about river life. And I suppose once his Jumping Frog story became a uh, big seller, he decided to hang on to the name yeah. because, hey, the name goes with the story. Now I have to write more as Mark yeah. Twain. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then so, he had that biography that he wrote that he said, don't look at this for 100 years, correctly. Boy, he didn't, they didn't talk about that on the tour. Does anyone but, know, if, am, I, am I crazy about that, that he had, it was just released like a, a year yeah. or two ago, right? Oh, okay, that's, yeah, I can't tell time. Because of the damn clock. Um, <laughs> no, but but he basically wrote an autobiography and said, like, don't read this for a century. Like, that's that's balls. That's like like anyone's gonna care a hundred years from now. But like he totally oh, sure. and people, it's a bestseller. It's yeah. just. But I bet you surprised. some people read it in between. I wonder. And they read mm-hmm. it uh, inclined in bed. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the rare, the rare sweep. So, <laughs> hope you enjoyed that. Well, guys, we're gonna we have time to take a few questions. If any of you have any questions you'd like to ask the panel, yeah. So the question is, who about should answer the hair growth question? I wonder <laughs> <laughs> which one of the panel should address the efficacy of lights on your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Well, <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> now wait, now wait. I mean, well, wait, wait, let's restate his question because he wasn't mic. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, the question is: Is uh, LED lights that you would shine on your skin? Is that is there any truth to that, or is that all BS? And can they grow hair? Yeah. Yeah. And well, George assures us. Yeah, yeah. The short answer is that the like the little lights you buy to heal your pain or whatever is bullshit. I mean, there's no evidence for any of that. But it, but again, lights are they're sexy. And they're also cheap. So you'll notice that uh, quack devices tend to follow marketable items, right? If mm-hmm. you could buy, if you could sell something cheap that does something interesting, then it's, it's a setup, right, for a quack device. And there is just right? something about having a blink, like we have them on the set. Yeah. That, and they do nothing. <laughs> like yeah. having a blinky light makes something look more like technology. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Well, that said, that said, I, I had alopecia areata. I've been to a dermatologist many times. She And she strikes me as, you know, some you know somewhat of a critical yeah. thinker. Um, she, at one point, she recommended to me, she's like, Bob, there's been some some types of lights, some frequency of, of she's light. She's talking about PUVA, probably, which is ultraviolet light, mm-hmm. which is used to treat skin conditions. Right. So this, she said, it's, it's like incorporated into a hat. You could put on. It's like it's like eight hundred dollars. So it's not yeah. like a twenty five dollar yeah. device that you're going to buy right. at, at it's uh, not Amazon. A blue LED. Light. No, it's yeah. not. So it's a specialized device. So yeah. So but she said it helps some people. Yeah, I had um, um so I had psoriasis when I was young. Yeah, it's used to treat psoriasis. Yeah, getting so it's not compl- that specific application is not completely out of bounds. I do the I opposite. Never- I pay someone to go get treatments where they put a laser on my legs and then I don't grow hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it works. Expire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your hair follicles. It works. Yeah. There's a light they treatment for, for tooth whitening. That's le- that's yeah. legit. Yeah. But, yeah. but then there's there's cheap versions of that that aren't legit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So for every version of a legit thing, there's yeah. always. But the I've seen thing. this device though. I've seen you know, I've seen a commercial of it, and it literally is like one LED light. It's complete utter bullshit. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The low end, cheap low end stuff. Right. Okay. Next question. You had one back there. So what percentage of emails that we get from the show are from true believers versus from skeptics? It's it's 99% skeptics. Yeah. Most of the email that right. we get are from people who've been listening to the show and are be- generally skeptical, no question. And they're really kind. Like the yeah. vast majority of emails we get are really, really yeah. kind Yeah, and then even emails. when they're pointing out, like they're either expressing an opinion or they're saying, oh, th- here's some new 
new information that adds to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Just want to participate in the conversation. Or sometimes it's a, it's a sacred cow for a skeptic, right? Well, a skeptic, case, sacred sometimes cow. Sometimes it's a skeptic, but they but we touched upon something mm-hmm. and they're and that they don't like. Well, sometimes they're pointing out mistakes we made. Yeah, sometimes which, they're pointing yeah, out flat yeah, out often, mistakes. Yeah. Quite mm-hmm. often, that's true. Delete. And then occasionally we get people who have like so much of a sacred cow, you could say they're really not skeptics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but those are are definitely the exceptions. But we get them occasionally, and then we get the convert emails, which are always the best. Those are the best. I used to be a creationist, but then you guys showed me the light. I listened to your show because I wanted to hear what the other side had to say. Yeah. What a great attitude. What happens is, yeah, it's a great attitude. So already they're self-selected for willing to listen to us openly. So they could because they wanted to debunk us. Yeah. But then they realized they couldn't. Like we were like. Wait, these guys are being rational. And I think part of it is we, we have a good relationship, so yeah. we all like, you know, we were having fun on the show, and I think people kind of buy into, they, you know, they like, they like that familial feel and everything, and next thing you know, they're learning something, and well, it's incredible. Well, I'll tell you, the other thing is, though, I think a huge part of it, yeah, obviously that's part of the, the vibe of the show, but the true believers think skeptics are assholes. Because that's what they're told. You know, that's part of the narrative. Yeah. And the, every time I have, you know, like, I've debated homeopaths and whatever. I've gone into venues that were not skeptical, that it was a true believer venue, and I was representing the skeptical opinion. Their reaction was like, you're actually a nice guy. You're not this three-headed demon that I thought all skeptics were. They have such this cartoon, negative image, a straw man of skeptics. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to convince them that, no, we're not that ridiculous cartoon that you were told, yeah. and so immediately, like, oh wait a minute, this is not what I thought I was going to encounter. You know, they, these yeah. are actually de- decent people who are who are being <laughs> reasonable. You know, so it's uh, yeah, the the bar, in other words, is set really low sure, because of because of the, again the straw manning of our position that they buy into. I know? think only a really really small percentage of the emails that we get are from people being like nasty. Yeah. Like that's really rare that somebody will either be like, you're wrong (laughs) and I'm going to tell you why you're spreading lies. Like it does happen, but, or honestly, I think even more often it'll be like sexist emails directed at me. Yeah. Like that's more common than the majority of emails that are negative are, they're either sexist. They're either about my vocal fry (laughs) or about my laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Probably. Or tell that woman to shut up. Yeah. She talks to me. Oh yeah. Yeah, too much. So we just ignore those. Yeah. And then some are like, we just got an email from somebody who was, I can't remember what, exactly what they said, but it was completely worthless. Don't ever send this kind of email. And it was basically what was, what was useless about it was that it had no specifics. No context. Uh-huh. There was no context. There was no specifics. It was just a vague, like, you know. You were wrong about this. Not even not that. Even, no, no, it wasn't it. even like you were wrong. It's just like, you guys shouldn't talk about this kind of stuff anymore because you don't really do a good job. Talk about this It was about stuff. farming, I think. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah whenever you talk about farming, you guys, I don't like what you guys have to say. Well, or health. Can yeah. you For give us an example? example. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, get, I mean what, what do I do with that? I think you, didn't you respond? Didn't you say, I did. There's yeah. nothing yeah. I can do with this because you gave me no specific. You got it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really back from them yet. People are like listening to the show that may have been recorded. 11 years ago. Oh, yeah. That's true. And they just write an email. And they say, you said that, that fish are dumb. You know, And you get this email saying, I can't believe you think fish are dumb. And you're like, 
I know. No context. Yeah. And you have no but idea. You to them, you just said it. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. said it. So. Yeah. And then sometimes we get. It's funny. Like we've gotten a few emails about when I was talking about coconut oil on the show, and people saying, "But this, and but the American Heart Association, but I have." And so then Steve will sometimes respond and like say, "Okay, but based on the evidence, this, and let me point you to the study." And then they'll come back. And say, yeah, except, and yeah, except. And then finally, there was one recently where he was like, enjoy your saturated fat. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you really want yeah, yeah. I'm not telling you not to do that. Just, just linking you to the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Just the science. <laughs> Anybody else? Other questions? Yeah. Hmm. Which mm-hmm. is, again, we, talk, we were talking about this on our, on the work, our workshop earlier today. That, um, yeah, the, the, it's very easy to dismiss information you don't like by calling it fake news. Or that's biased. a, yeah, it's biased or it's a fake site. It's dismissive. And so, yeah, you, you, there's no short way to really deal with that. You have to just explain to them, say, well, you're dismissing entire sources of information based upon some other sort, some other source of information, which are you saying that they're not biased? Mm-hmm. What kind of analysis have you done to come to that conclusion? Yeah. And it's usually none. Like, they don't really have any data. They don't have any analysis. It's just, I heard that they're not reliable or whatever. It's so a- they're just come, they're just repeating a narrative that yeah. somebody handed to them. It's yeah. also a flimsy argument because we're not going to come up here and talk about something that one article on Snopes yeah. wrote about and nobody else has done any exactly. research on. Like, yeah. there's going to be multiple sources for the things that we discuss. Often, we discuss, like, meta-analyses. That was yeah. kind of the coconut oil issue. People are like, the AHA, the American Heart Association, is biased. And it's like, I don't care. They're talking about other people's yeah. research. But they also say, yeah, that one email is like, you're basing your opinion on this one study by the AHA. I'm like, all right. First of all, it wasn't a study. Yeah. It was a systematic review. Second of all, I never base my opinions on one systematic review or one person's opinion. I did. I looked through the literature, which I could get access to and read, and here's some links to some other system, independent systematic reviews by other people coming to the same conclusion. Yep. And that's when they just double down yeah. and go, yeah, but I don't, whatever, I don't yeah. like it. And then but, you said, stop writing, George, because it's getting annoying. Yeah, and, that's right. not, <laughs> and that's not to say Who's that, obviously, George? a website like Snopes is like, Great! It's a it's amazing. It's a starter. It's awesome a it's a good resource. starting yeah, point. Wikipedia is a good yeah, starting right. point. But there's links there too. Exactly. Yeah. We'll yeah. Link to dig out, dig out, dig out. Okay, it is nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Look at that. Great. Does not lie. If anybody wants to talk about gravitational waves and how they might reveal hidden dimensions, come talk to me. All right. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Well. Thank you all for joining me for this show, guys. Thanks, Dad. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys for joining us. And until next week, this is your Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is produced by SGU Productions, dedicated to promoting science and critical thinking. For more information on this and other episodes, please visit our website at theskepticsguide.org, where you will find the show notes as well as links to our blogs, videos, online forum, and other content. You can send us feedback or questions to info at theskepticsguide.org. Also, please consider supporting the SGU by visiting the store page on our website, where you will find merchandise, premium content, and subscription information. Our listeners are what make SGU possible.